Welcome to the podcast of the preaching ministry of LifePoint Church, led by Pastor Lane Harrison. We pray this ministry is a blessing for your life. For more information about LifePoint, please visit lifepointozark.com. For more information and resources from Pastor Lane, please visit mlaneharrison.com. Well, it is a privilege, as always, to be able to bring God's Word to you. Pastor Lane has been laboring with some mission partnerships in the state of Montana this week and is kind of getting back um, in process here. And so it's a privilege to be able to bring God's Word to you this morning. Um, We're going to be in the book of Deuteronomy today. We're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 8. So I would encourage you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles there. And as you do so, I'll, uh, I'll kind of open with this. I remember uh, this, earlier this week, I was able to go out to lunch with some people here in the office, and I told them they helped me with my sermon illustration. It's always great when they oblige to do that, right? Uh, but one of the things I, I miss, I'm from South Carolina, so I'm from the coast area, and so I always miss being able to get seafood, because that's what I remember growing up with. And any time I get to choose the place, it's what I want. And so I was able to go to, uh, to Billy Gales, because that's the closest thing you can get here, all right? Uh, if you look at a map, you realize you are not close to the ocean. In Missouri, it doesn't take very long to realize that. And so we were having a conversation on the way back, just like what we grew up eating and what, what, what kind of has that natural nostalgia to us. And we came with this idea that I think that everybody has some kind of thing they grew up eating that is really, if we were honest, is probably unimpressive. But we think it's awesome because it's what we grew up with, right? And you probably immediately can think of what that thing is. And anytime you have somebody who's never experienced that and you want to draw them into that thing, and you're just like, I just can't wait till you get to experience how awesome this is. And they're like, hmm, that's not so impressive, right? And so I think that this is an illustration about something that I have been, been thinking about for some time because it's something that researchers have come to realize that memories uh, are created over time from our perceptions of reality. Now, again, Reality is not defined by our perceptions, but uh, our memories are created over time by these perceptions of reality. And that's why two people who have experienced the same thing can remember them quite differently. Maybe you have siblings or your spouse or anything like that. You tend to remember things completely different. Key historical moments, perhaps, in your relationship, you remember those things differently. You see, our memories are affected by our expectations our imaginations, our preconceived notions, our biases, and our emotions in those moments. Our, our memories affect the way we remember. So what happens in a season of life, oftentimes it's how we remember that season that's far different. Not the reality of the things that happened, But how we remember those things are the things that are far different. So we are in control of one and we're not in control of the other. We can obviously not control what happens in a season, but we can choose how we will remember it. And as I've kind of grappled like you, likely with this season and how to to lead in this season, how to 
how to how to function day to day and how to lead my family and those that are under my care. This is one area that has continually come to mind is that I cannot control what will happen today, but I can control how I will choose to remember it. And how I choose to remember it in the story I tell to others will be the thing that shapes not only the steps I take, but the steps they will take as well. So the stories we tell about what we remember have a way of shaping our steps and those that come after us. And it's this area that we must influence the most, how we will remember our season. Not what will happen or what has happened, but how we will remember it. The book of Deuteronomy is a book about this very thing, remembering. If you read the book of Deuteronomy, you'll be confronted many times by this term, remember, over and over. It kind of gets a little annoying. You ever read a book of the Bible and you're annoyed by it? It's like, all right, I get it now, okay? You're trying to help me think about something, all right? Remember is a key term in the book of Deuteronomy. And this is a key, this is a key aspect to their life with God through the wilderness and beyond the wilderness. As God's people are traveling through the Exodus, they've been delivered from slavery from Egypt. They're on their way to the promised land. They're going through wilderness seasons. This command to remember is something that is central to their life through that wilderness and their arrival on the other side in the land of promise. Fifteen times in the book alone, God's people are commanded to remember. So remembering, think about this, remembering is at the core of being God's people. Deuteronomy is laboring to tell us this. So think about it. As God's people, if we are, if we are Christians, we've, we've trusted, believed in Jesus, and we're walking in trust in him, remembering is something we're commanded to do. And yet it's something that is so difficult for us to, to do. The Bible seems to assume that we tend to forget the things that frame our common stories and our personal identities. Think about it. That means that the Bible assumes that we forget the things that is most foundational to us, oftentimes. The things that frame our common story and our personal identity. And this section of Deuteronomy chapter 8 kind of brings this, this, this section or this entire theme of remembrance to a head in this climax of in a call of God's people to be people of remembrance and what happens in their life when they become those people. So let's look together at Deuteronomy chapter 8, if you will, beginning in verse 1, and we're going to read through verse 16. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do. That you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord your God has sworn to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. That he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart. Whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna which you did not know. Nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you and your foot did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, 
the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. A land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs flowing out in the valleys and hills. A land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates. A land of olive trees and honey. A land in which you will eat bread without scarcity. In which you will lack nothing. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall eat and be full. And you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he's given you. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes which I command to you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and build good houses and live in them and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then in your heart you, it will, you will become lifted up and forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through this great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of a flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. That last phrase is key. All of this is for this purpose, to do you good in the end. And so I want to focus here on this passage that navigating the wilderness requires a careful remembrance leading us to fullness in Jesus. Navigating in the wilderness requires a careful remembrance leading us to fullness in Jesus. You know, when you, I don't know how experienced you maybe are in, in wilderness areas. The few I've been in this general region, uh, a wilderness area is not somewhere you just want to just kind of wander about carelessly, right? Uh, if you go, go to some of these wilderness areas, you'll notice that there are no marked trails. There are also the presence of what's known as social trails, which is where some have wandered and further distracted you from the main pathway you should be going. Uh, and it's easy to get turned around. It's easy to have missteps. Deuteronomy 8 is very much kind of applying that logic to our life, that living a redeemed life requires that we be careful. It requires careful steps. And so there are two areas of care that Deuteronomy chapter 8 gives us that we are to have Two areas of care, and I want to focus on those two and kind of unpack those a little bit. The two areas of care are careful obedience and careful remembrance. Careful obedience comes by the way of careful remembrance. And so let's look at the first one here, careful obedience. Verse 1, be careful to do the whole commandment. Don't miss that description there. Because it's easy to do part of the commandment sometimes, right? I mean, uh, it's easy to do the right thing with the wrong motive, the wrong heart, or halfway. Those of you who have children, you know this, right? Uh, it's like, sorry. Do you really mean that? No. Okay. Tell your sister she's, you're sorry. So you have to be careful to do the whole commandment. And the promise is tied to this. 
The promise is that you would live and multiply when you do this. So it takes much care and attention, Deuteronomy, Moses is trying to draw our attention to, to live well. So obedience, then, is a careful business that doesn't come easily. Because obedience is the means by which we live well. But it's a whole life kind of thing. So attention has to be given here to the care required for whole obedience. You see, it's kind of easy to default to an obedience that's partial and half-hearted, as we just talked about. So care has to be taken in our obedience to make sure it is complete. Because here's the thing, care and obedience is the work of living well. Do we believe that about obedience? Care and obedience is how we live well. So here's the alternative Deuteronomy confronts us with. Verse 11, you forget. You forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments. So every act then of disobedience is a moment of forgetfulness. Forgetfulness of what? Of God and his work in our life. We've seen this from the beginning of the story of Scripture, right? Adam and Eve believed the lie that God was withholding something from them, that they could be like him. And so they indulged, they took, they sinned, they took the place of God, tried to take control, tried to be God, and sin entered the picture. They had forgotten. We forget God and his goodness that he has worked in our lives so often so that we walk in our own ways and deception of our life. There's a sort of spiritual amnesia that takes place in our disobedience. We forget God is good, so we disobey. And the scriptures here tend to show us that this happens most easily and most often when we're at ease and having plenty. So there's the warning. Be careful lest when you are full and have built good houses and live in them that your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of slavery. It's in the moments of ease that we are most prone to forget. But here notice the consequences of forgetting go further. Forgetting leaves us vulnerable. Vulnerable to what? Forgetting leaves us vulnerable to lies and manipulation. Romans chapter 1 talks about this. Forgetting leaves us vulnerable to lies and manipulation, foremost coming from our own hearts, mind you. The greatest deceiver we have we carry within us, as the Puritans talked about. Our own hearts are the greatest threat here. Romans 1 paints this picture that when we become un unleashed from truth and reality of, of God and his goodness, our hearts become wayward in such a way that we are led into all kind of destructive deceptions. And here's, what, here's, the, here's the cycle that Romans chapter 1 talks about. We practice unrighteousness, thereby denying and suppressing the truth, then we, which leads to further unrighteousness and further denying and suppressing of the truth in us. And so our unrighteousness and our, this cycle of, of, of living in untruth and living in lies feeds one another to our destruction. 
And in a statement, Romans 1 says this, that we exchange the truth for a lie and are given over to debased things. So forgetting God and his goodness in our lives not only leads us to disobedience, which is forgetfulness, but it leaves us in a vulnerable state, vulnerable to lies and manipulation. Forgetting is something, though, that's easy for us to drift into. Like I just said here, the scriptures seem to assume it's something that can easily happen to us. So it, it takes work, it takes care to resist it. When we forget the past, it tends to cause us to fail to act appropriately in the present. And so when we forget God's good work in the past, we will not act upon it in the present. And so the action of this carefulness in a whole obedience is tied to this next area of care. It requires remembering. It's rooted in remembering. A careful obedience comes by the way of a careful remembrance. That's the second command here. Remember the whole way the Lord has led you. So how do you obey holy? You remember holy. The command of careful obedience here is tied to a command of careful remembrance. So God's people aren't just given these abstractions of God, but commands that are rooted in the very minutiae of their common experience, their everyday life, the common story of his redemption. So you want to see how you see this in the scriptures? Here in this passage, God says, look at your feet. It's like, wait, what? You want to see how I've cared for you, how I've delivered you, how I've led you, how I've sustained you? Look at your feet. Wait, you want me to look at my feet? If you spend any time in the wilderness, just a couple of days, you don't want to spend much time looking at your feet. It's nasty, right? But 40 years in the wilderness, can you imagine? I don't even want to see that. Not even my own, right? Definitely not anybody else's. So, so he says, look, did you notice your shoes? They don't have any, they're not worn out at all. You don't need a new pair. There's no Merrells back in that day. You know, no lifetime warranties or any of that. No, like, just he kept their shoes from wearing out. He, he also says, did you notice your feet never, they never swelled. I sustained you. And so, their remembrance of God's work in their life is tied to the very details of their redemption story. And so they're to remember the whole way that he had led them in every act of liberation, every provision, and every work of his grace. And then he goes on to list some of those for us in Deuteronomy 8. God had led them so that, that he might humble them, so that they might know their own hearts, so that they might know that he is the source of their life. He let them feel hunger so that they might know he feeds them. He let them feel thirst, so that they might know that he gives drink. He provided them clothing that did not wear out, so they would know he is the one who provides. He sustained their health for the journey, so they would know he is the one who gives them life. 
And all of this, the, the passage says, is so that they would know in their hearts God has treating the, is treating them as sons, doing them good in the end. And so he's doing all of this for good, that we might know in our hearts who we are in him. And his promises are more full than the wants that they felt along the way, is what he's trying to show. This is the good he's trying to show in the end. And they, he's doing so, so that they might, as the scriptures tells us, so that they might keep the commands of the Lord and walk always in his way. And so why is the Lord doing this? Because he's bringing you into a good land. So just look at the story here. God has delivered, he's leading, he's providing, he's purging, and he's sustaining. Why? Because he's leading you into a good land. That's what he tells God's people here. That's what Moses recounts to them. Remember this, remember the whole way, obey completely. Now, the New Testament shows us these details are true of us, Christian. These same, this same storyline is ours in Christ. So, the New Testament says this, God has brought deliverance from the power of sin and death through the redemption in his son Jesus, calling people out of darkness and into light. Jesus is the bread of life who comes down from heaven to give life to all who would believe and repent. Jesus gives a fountain of living water that swells up within by the Holy Spirit that purges sin and renews in every way all who would believe. Jesus sustains us. He's the sustainer of all things. But Jesus sustains us in the midst of trial to humble us and even in our suffering to produce steadfastness and fruitfulness. And then God disciplines us as adopted sons in Jesus to do us good in the end and lead us into all that is good. And then Hebrews tells us God is bringing those in Jesus to a celestial city where all of his promises are full. And there is no want. And so the truly good life requires careful obedience by a complete remembrance to promise fullness in Jesus. So the good land of promise comes even to us by way of trials in the wilderness, but we are called to remember the entire way that we might be careful to walk in goodness the whole way. Our obedience is the means by which we live well. And the way we obey is we remember God is good. So remembering is how we transmit faith. We transmit faith in the steps of our own obedience in our life, but it's also how we transmit faith to the generations to come. This is what Deuteronomy also comes to draw, draw our attention to. What, so uh, anthropologists uh, have this uh, term, it's called social memory. And what people choose to remember is what they refer to as social memory, what people in a culture choose to remember. And this social memory is, is kind of the building blocks by which cultural memory is formed. And so what, whatever constitutes the stories, events, and building blocks of a collective identity, that's what builds this cultural memory. 
this culture. And so this is the story a society tells itself to remember who it is. But without a collective memory, we don't have a culture. And without a culture, you don't have an identity. So, the story we tell ourselves is important. But one of the core pieces of the, 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 the thinking of our day, the, the philosophical stage of history we find ourselves in, known as modernity, central to that thought is the denial of anything transcendent, anything sacred of order, any belief other than what is currently desirable for the individual is supreme. I know I just got complicated there. But what I'm laboring for is to tell us this. We live in a day where it is even more difficult to remember even how to remember. It is extremely difficult to even remember how to remember. But it is so important because remembering is how we transmit faith to our obedience and how we transmit faith to the generations. So, we shape the generations by the things we remember, Deuteronomy's telling us. And so, again, as I've tried to think about this season in my own life and how to lead my family and how to, how to, how to pastor and how to do just normal everyday life, how, how do I approach this? And this same term has come to me over and over. We cannot control what happens in this season, but we can choose how we will remember it. So, diagnostic question for us in transmitting faith in our lives into the next generation. What story are we telling to remember who we are? What story are you telling? Because I don't know about you, but I I am one that's easy to tell negative stories. I mean, like, it's easy for me to get worked into that kind of pattern, right? Um, But what story are, are we telling to remember who we are? Because this is key in how we, how we transmit faith in our lives and, and to those around us. So I want to give three quick applications for careful obedience. Because remembering is hard. Remembering how to remember is difficult. So how do you remember how to remember? Three applications for careful obedience. And I'll just, I just love this. I, I didn't intend it. I'm going alliteration here. I'm going old school preacher, all right? It makes sense. It's, but it's easy, all right? Three R's, okay? Alliteration works. Three steps. First is rehearse. Rehearse the story of redemption from God's Word. That's how you remember That no matter what point in history or circumstance we find ourselves in, we have a narrative that overarches all of that. If we're in Christ, we are delivered, we are led, we are provided, we are sustained, we are filled, and ultimately one day we will be satisfied in Him fully as He is. We'll be before Him. We'll be with Him. Be led into a place of goodness in the end. Rehearse the story of redemption from God's word. Because you and I are most prone to wander from it. We are most prone to forget it. God has given us the means to remember it, to rehearse it. We need it. But also, key to this is planning yourself in a truth-telling community of the church that reminds you and rehearses this story to one another. I don't know how many times 
just even in this season, hearing stories and testimonies of God's grace in seasons of other people has just been a means by which the Holy Spirit just grabs a hold of something. It's like, you remember this? You remember when I did this in your life? Have you forgotten that? So being in a truth-telling community, the local church, is a way of rehearsing this to us, but also rehearsing it in God's Word is the central place for that as well. Secondly, recall the very, every outworking of this story in your life. Even, especially, the places of wilderness. So, basically, this is the look at your feet moment. Okay? So, recalling those moments uh, in your story, those outworkings of this story of redemption in your, in your story, oftentimes is difficult because there's pain there. Just, there's, there's nastiness there, just like looking at your feet, right? So, Sometimes it's painful to recall and relive some of those things. But one of the things I've found is that there's grace in those most difficult of moments when we remember that. So recall the very outworkings of this story in your life. Frame your present actions within the goodness that God has shown in the past. That's what the scriptures are showing. You frame your current present actions in this situation within the goodness that God has shown you in the past. Isaiah chapter 46 verses 9 through 10 says this, remember the former things of old for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that have not yet been done saying my counsel will stand and I will accomplish my purpose. How do you remember that? How do you recall that you remember the things of old God has done to assure you the present and the future? So recall every outworking of that story in your life. And then remind the coming generations of this story and its outworkings in your life. Remind the coming generations of this story and its outworkings in your life. Deuteronomy 32 verse 7 tells the elder people to tell the younger. And then it commands the younger to say, remember the days of old, consider the many generations, ask your father and he will show you your elders and they will tell you. Ask. Where is it? You know, this is a hard season. Have you ever walked with God through a hard season? Where did he, what did he teach you in that? We're here for that reason. So let me ask you this. This is a question I'm asking myself. How are we remembering the season we're walking in right now so that we will tell it in generations to come about God's faithfulness in that season? So the stories we tell ourselves to remember who we are shape our steps. But if we are in Christ, we have the best story to tell. And so what story are we telling ourselves to remind us of who we are? Navigating the wilderness requires a careful remembrance leading us to a fullness in Jesus. Will you pray with me?